Welcome to episode 88 of the Grip Strip Podcast. It's thankful time, uh, in this case, post-Thanksgiving edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, brother? I'm doing great, Phil. Of course, thankful as always. It's Thanksgiving time here in the United States, but hey, thanks, happy Thanksgiving to everybody here in America listening to us and also in anywhere else in the world if you're listening. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Of course, thankful to be on the podcast with you and of course, thankful for anybody yeah. that listens to this. Yep, absolutely. Thankful to you as always, being my co-host and sidekick and for being so understanding. Uh, we were supposed to record this on Wednesday, but I was hanging out with Jasmine and forgot that uh, we were supposed to do the podcast on Wednesday, even though it's my show or our show and we do it at on Wednesday evenings, but it's day before Thanksgiving. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. And when bowling, I had to take care of some issues on the bowling side since the bowling alley fucked up a brand new bowling ball. So, and, and I was hanging with friends. Bowling so. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Got to take care of when you have a ball you had for three, not even three weeks, and they go and jack it up. You're going to want to get that solution, um, get a solution to that. But uh, in regards to this episode, we're going to talk about the Qatar uh, Grand Prix, which saw Lewis Hamilton dominate and continue. Don Schumacher Racing, as we've known it for so many years, is basically done. Uh, with Ron Caps leaving after winning his second Funny Car Championship, you know the only car that's left is Tony Schumacher. Next year will be running a top fuel car, but everybody else that was on that team is now either somewhere else doing their own thing. Um, we'll get in all that and a kind of quick review of the NHRA season because there was plenty of times this year I, I by my own error that I didn't put in uh, NHRA um, talk. And in regards to World Rally Championship is another one since we're getting to the end of the year. Sebastian Auger, who's a legend, one of the greatest of all time, went out and won his eighth World Rally Championship um, and retired as a full-time driver. Um, what he's going to do after, you can assume sports car racing. As long as he's with Toyota, it'll be sports car racing. He'll do a little rally raid. Maybe he'll come out to the United States. It'd be cool to see him do that. That would be great because he's one of the greatest ever. Uh, we'll talk about football, fantasy football. Um, in the case of fantasy football, it's been working out pretty damn good for Josh. Um, a great trade that I made to him uh, has definitely benefited him. Uh, on the other side, his team got demolished by my 49ers. Um, but we'll let that go. Uh, Josh will talk about uh, the sim deal with the Freedom 100 and any other racing because there's probably it's a good time. I mean, this week was the first week DWR didn't have their um, what do you call uh, their um, uh, I'm forgetting what they call their um, their series, but DWR has their um, sim series on iRacing every week. Thursday night blunder, there you go. So, yeah, because of Thanksgiving, so they'll be back next week. Um, and hopefully we can get in there. I don't know what we have to do to get in there. It'd be cool to get us on there. Figure out how to get in that one. Yeah. And then, um, I guess you could probably DM Sean or something or Ryan, Ryan will answer. Um, he's great with his fans and then we'll uh, close here. Uh, yeah. So 
Qatar Grand Prix. Now it's been uh, five days. It was a great weekend for Lewis Hamilton in general. Um, was fast from off the truck, as they would say here. But you know, he was he was fast in practice. He was fast in qualifying. He led every session, and it, it basically wasn't much of a discussion behind him. Uh, it it there. I mean, you can make whatever you can come up with whatever you want to in regards to that. But really, he dominated. It was. Um, pretty straightforward for him. I mean, like, I'm just going to go through practice. I mean, yeah, in in practice one, okay, so I have to correct myself, of course. It wouldn't be a show without me having to correct myself. Um, Lewis was fourth in the first practice. He wasn't, I guess he was running on uh, heavier fuel over Verstappen. Yeah, and practice three, yeah, so he was close. So he, he led every session of qualifying. That, that, I'm certain of. He didn't lead in practice, but he led every session of qualifying, and he ended up leading uh, a good amount of the race, too. It was, um, and he needed to, you know, like a few weeks ago, it's like the second time I put the dirt on him, and it just as the last time he he decided he wasn't going to listen to that or have that, uh, he led the entire race, won by 25.7 seconds, uh, Max Verstappen was able to get the fastest lap point in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't really much of a race. Max Verstappen and uh, Valtteri Bottas both ran through um, double yellows. Um, Karen Horner cried about uh, Max Verstappen's penalty and accused the official of being a rogue official like he's orange jade. Um, so Karen Horner, as always, can't get out of his own way. But even with that, Max Verstappen was basically second after five, three, four laps into the race. And um, But he never could catch him, Lewis. Fernando Alonso had an amazing start from third, gotten to second, passed uh, uh, what do you call Pierre Gasly, who ended up moving up. But it was a nightmare scenario for the Alpha Tori team uh, who were tied with Alpine and coming into this race. And by the end of this race, the Alpine team had scored 25 points uh, with Fernando Alonso's first podium in seven years, Esteban Ocon getting a top five finish while neither Alpha Tori scored. So they went from being tied in points to 25 points behind in the span of one race. And basically that constructor's championship position is now locked in. A lot of stuff went in there, went on there behind Lewis Hamilton, for sure. A lot of controversy. Valtteri Votas had a brutal start per usual. I was having that conversation yesterday at Thanksgiving dinner with my fam, with my my cousin's husband, who's a fan uh, of Formula One, and my cousin, who's a fan of Valtteri Baltas for whatever reason, um, trying to justify why he is what he is. And I mean, that start was inexplicably bad. Sure, it was on the dirty side of the track, but you literally watch Max Verstappen drive right by you and through the whole entire field. And you sat there and dropped anchor. And that's why, like, that is a microcosm of why he's getting replaced for George. Um, At the same token, I think they ran him too long and they didn't think about the strat properly. I mean, Egghead pitted at lap 30, I believe, and he had no problems with his tires. Granted, he's driving about 100 seconds slower than everybody else, but you have to have some semblance of logic with all the technical stuff and all the data you have to not put Valtteri in a position. He's already screwed up. 
So now it should be about consolidation. They didn't consolidate. And in the process, they, they let him blow a tire and took himself and out. took himself out of the, took him out of the race, took their ability to block the fastest slap point away. They took, I mean, it's, it's a good thing Lewis Hamilton drives for Mercedes. That's all I'm going to say. Because if it wasn't for Lewis Hamilton driving for Mercedes, people would really have a lot more to analyze about how bad they handle strategy, how bad they handle their drivers, et cetera, et cetera. I'm out, more outspoken about it, mainly because Lewis has been my driver this all this time, but for all these years from the beginning when he came into Formula One. And, but... I mean, there it's something that now you have two races to go. You need if you want to get keep this world champ, both world championships that you've had for every year since 2014. And Lewis has had six of them in drivers and seven constructors. You need to get your shit right. And, you know, you have two races to go. Red Bull aren't going away. They're going to whine and cry and moan their way to whatever. You got to come correct. And um, I mean, we'll see what happens for sure. We'll preview that next week on the GSP in episode 89. But Josh, uh, what were your takeaways from the race weekend itself and Lewis's performance, Max's recovery? Um, I do in air quotes because it wasn't much of a recovery. It wasn't that hard for him. Uh, It was more self-inflicted on his and Red Bull's part. Um, They weren't going to win that race anyway, um, the way that Mercedes is running. But and then anything else that really went on, I think the Alpine piece is something got to get into too later. Yeah, I mean, you talk about like Lewis's uh, domination of this race. I mean, this is exactly what he needed to get back into the championship fight. And now he's only one race behind, essentially the first place plus the fastest lap behind uh, Max Verstappen. So if uh, the next race at uh, Saudi Arabia at Jeddah, if he's able to win that one and grab the fastest lap, then and Max finishes second, then uh, they'll both be tied going into the final race at Abu Dhabi. So that's going to be an interesting storyline if um, that happens, because then essentially the uh, championship race is going to be winner take all. And you, know, you talked about it last week. Uh, this is like uh, Lewis's version of Tony Stewart's comeback in 2011, and it would play out exactly like that. Uh, and it's, yeah, I guess Max is in the Carl Edwards r- role there, but, uh, which should be interesting, but, uh, this race, I mean, it was pretty much no question. Lewis has, uh, been pretty fast the entire race. And then Max, uh, didn't really have much uh, in terms of pace to be able to match loose. He got kind of close at the beginning portion of the race within like about three seconds or so, but he wasn't able really to, uh, gain anything from that. And eventually 25 seconds behind, but, uh, as basically Lewis's weekend the entire time. And I think you also need to bring up the fact with uh, Red Bull, um, maybe they could be slipping. I mean, they, they, they still have pace, but now that um, Lewis has won the last two races and they haven't been able to match uh, Lewis there. So it's uh, going to be interesting if they can uh, make up for that in the last two weekends, if uh, they're able to uh, gain any more pace uh, compared to Mercedes. And you talk about Lewis's dominance compared to uh, Mercedes mismanagement of strategy. I think they've been able to uh, rest on their laurels of uh, speed uh, that they've had uh, since 2014 when they came to dominance. And I think when you look at uh, their, you know, their whole, that whole period, uh, it's been basically Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg and Valtteri Botas whenever uh, he can. And I think for Botas, it's, uh, it's basically been, 
he has to have a, a good car, a good piece, like from the get go to be really competitive. Otherwise, I guess it puts him into position where he could be mistake prone. And we've certainly seen that this year. And even with Lewis, because um, not really Lewis making mistakes, but now that they're not as uh, fast as what they've been uh, th- this year, uh, it's you know, kind of shown kind of the imbalances that exist within the team um, with uh, regards to how they do their strategy, because um, now they have a legitimate challenge with uh, with Max Verstappen and Red Bull. So that's going to be something to look into these last two races if uh, they can minimize their uh, mistakes with strategy, especially with a championship title on the line for Lewis Hamilton. And of course, uh, Valtteri Botas uh, can't afford uh, to make any more mistakes either because it's going to help them for the constructor's title. But then also uh, in the event where Lewis doesn't have the fastest lap and they need the fastest lap to keep Verstappen from getting it, then uh, Valtteri Botas needs to be able to be in position to uh, grab that fastest lap point there. So uh, that's what I guess it looks like between the battle with Mercedes and Red Bull and also bring up Alpine with Alonso. I mean, what a, what a performance by them. I mean, they started up front up in third place and then they were able to maintain their position throughout the entire event. And they went on uh, the one-stop strategy. And of course, tire wear was a factor because I think at the end uh, they had to really manage the pace. Uh, they had a pretty worn left front tire uh, by the end of it. And uh, I think Alonso had to really manage his uh, pace there because otherwise if he pushed too hard at the end, he would have ended up in a blown left front tire there, just like we saw with uh, Valtteri Botas and then also with uh, both the Williams cars, Latifi and George Russell also kind of had the same issue. So uh, it was kind of interesting there with uh, the tire wear because uh, we saw uh, a lot of other cars kind of had to manage uh, their pace as well because uh, they would have ran into the same issue. So that was kind of interesting with some of the um, back the field guys, midfield guys having to uh, figure out how to manage their pace to, uh, you know, keep the left front tire from blowing out or any other tire. So uh, that's a a good result for him, especially coming back from uh, Formula One this year from his, you know, exploits in WEC and then in IndyCar. So of course, uh, with Alonzo being back here in Formula One, it's kind of, uh, I guess, uh, at the age of 40, it's, it's basically kind of a, a little mini renaissance, I guess, with uh, the way he's been able to perform this year. And they're putting Alpine in position where uh, they're going to be able to finish ahead of AlphaTauri, uh, probably, unless AlphaTauri has a good couple of weekends here with Pierre Gasly behind the wheel. And Gasly, this weekend wasn't what he needed, uh, finishing or starting second and then finishing in the 11th out of the points. And it hurts them for their title because uh, or their position because uh, they are now uh, over you know 25 points behind uh, Alpine and they're at 112 points in the championship uh, for constructors and means at 137 so it's a tough battle there especially with uh, really only one car in that uh, organization helping them in uh, Pierre Gasly. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda hasn't really done all that well this year uh, as a rookie driver and hasn't been able to uh, put uh, their team in a position to score points for the constructors championship. So I think uh, Gasly's going to have to have two really good weekends here coming up and then going to have to hope for a little bit of luck in terms of Alpine not having uh, good races with uh, Alonso and uh, Esteban Ocon there. So that's going to be interesting. And then uh, McLaren, uh, they had a they had a chance maybe to make up points, but I think by now it's uh, pretty clear it's uh, probably Ferrari's got uh, third place uh, left uh, wrapped up in the bag for them. So uh, McLaren, I mean, they still have two races with uh, Ricciardo and uh, with uh, Lando Norris to be able to score points, but it's looking like it's 
more than likely going to be Ferrari's uh, third place uh, here at the end of the season. So um, the battle between those two teams still still could things could happen. But I mean, he's looking Ferrari's going to be the team to beat there. And um, Alpine probably has fifth place la- uh, rocked up or uh, wrapped up here. So uh, look for them to try to be able to maximize. I mean, both those teams maximize their results the last two weekends. So uh, even though Lewis uh, dominated this race, I mean, it was still uh, compelling, I guess, with uh, the rest of the field having to figure out tighter strategy and maximizing the results. And I think, I mean, you brought up a lot of great points in regards to especially the Alpine situation where for a team that this year at times has been probably the seventh best team for most of the year has been the seventh best team on the grid to go out there at Qatar. um, Fernando Alonso was like his old self, went out there and looked like the guy who was widely regarded as one of the best race car drivers of his time. And he was comfortable the whole weekend, loved the track, qualified. He's not the greatest qualifier either. Qualified really well. And even Ocon was good um, overall during the weekend. Not as good as his teammate, of course. But they. this is the same. It's similar to Hungary when they maximized their situation when craziness happened. Ocon maximized his situation, was able to win his first Grand Prix. Alonso did his part and blocked. Hamilton and basically that cost Hamilton a chance to win that race and the same I mean it wasn't repaid even though it was funny Alonso work like a bull I forget what he said block him like a bull or some crap and then he literally laid over in like a lap or two um it didn't matter in the end even though Sergio Perez with the weird strategy Red Bull did with him um was catching him at about a second a lap or a few tenths a lap. And the VSC saved him. The Latifi VSC saved uh, his third place. But in the end, it was one of the best drives of the year. Uh, he won driver of the day for that one. Um, big deal. Basically, that money now, fifth in the constructors, huge for Alpine as they look towards next year when, I mean, Fernando Alonso for, I don't know, the last year plus when he basically said he was, when they announced he was going to be driving for them, said, I'm not really thinking about 2021. I'm thinking about 2022. Well, if that's a sign of what 2022 is going to look like, then we're going to have another guy that's in there along with the Ferraris, along with something. And it could be a very much more competitive uh, situation in regards to the constructors. I mean, it's only five points in constructors for Mercedes over Red Bull. The driver's standings is eight points between Verstappen and Hamilton. Uh, so, I mean, it's still very, very interesting. Botas is a 13-point lead on Sergio Perez for third. And uh, Lando Norris, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, that's, what is it, seven and a half points uh, between the three of them. So Lando, for a while this year, was third in the con- third driver standings. And then the last, since the summer break, it's been bad for them and McLaren for the exception of Ricardo's for the one, two they had at the Italian Grand Prix. It's been pretty bad for McLaren. And at the same time, Ferrari has been very consistent uh, scoring points and that has allowed them to make a huge overtake in the constructor standings. Uh, Alonso is only 15 points behind Pierre Gasly, but that's not as much of an issue. I mean, right now you could basically You can basically say third through seventh, third through tenth is basically determined. I think we already know in regards to constructors. It's going to take almost a miracle scenario for McLaren to get past Ferrari 
Um, same deal for AlphaTauri over Alpine. Um, yeah, Aston Martin stuck there. Um, Williams, Alfa Romeo, Sauber, and then Haas. Uh, so that's really done. It doesn't really matter. And it's, uh, it was more intriguing a few races ago in that sense, the driver's standings, you have some battles there for the net, the world championship. You have a battle for third, you have a battle for fifth. And then from there, it doesn't really matter either, but, um, interesting race going to Jetta, the, uh, rights out and away we go Grand Prix, um, part three, I guess this year, cause they have like four of them, uh, you know, we'll at what they're saying is going to be the fastest street course ever or something. Um, we'll see how that all works out. We'll preview it on the next episode of the GSP, um, and make our picks. We'll move on to, uh, what we're thankful for, uh, this year in motorsports and sports, uh, Josh, I don't know if you have anything Thing or what you're thinking of, but I'll let you go first <laughs> before I yeah. close on that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful. I mean, in sports, thankful for uh, Jaguars getting Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he hasn't worked out as well as what I thought it would, but still, you know, I think he's still the guy. It just uh, doesn't have the quite the support that he needs uh, with the uh, playmakers and coaching. But I mean, I, I knew it was going to happen uh, back on December 27 last year. So it's not a like thing that like it was a surprise and it happened. But, you know, December 27 last year, Jaguars lose to the Bears and the Bears or the Jets beat the Browns I think and then uh, that allows Jaguars to get Trevor Lawrence so pretty thankful for that that we uh, think we have our franchise TV and then on the motorsports side uh, thankful that I got to go to the Daytona road course uh, race this year for cup and uh, watch that race and it was still pretty good race uh, being able to be there in person and watch uh, the cup cars on the road course instead of on the oval and then you know saw the IndyCar race at uh, St. Petersburg earlier this year so uh, thankful for that experience and uh, hanging around that area uh, for that weekend and seeing all my friends over there, uh, you know, thankful for all the racing that we had, uh, this year. I mean, regardless of, uh, what happened or how it turned out, I mean, with uh cup, I mean, we talked about how bad and some, races were good. I mean, I'm still glad that we were able to still watch it and uh, that we were able to uh, talk about it this year. And at least, you know, things happened. And, and even though at times it was not as compelling as what we wanted to, I mean, we still talked about it and the fact uh, that it's there, um, we should always be thankful for that. And then of course, and the current race and Formula One, you know, thankful that we're able to actually see a legitimate title battle between uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, and it's been a very entertaining season uh, being able to watch uh, these two drivers uh, fight it out in the championship fight, and, you know, IndyCar is is always thankful that we got to have a, a thankful for the Indy 500 that uh, was really entertaining being able to see Elio Castro Nevis uh, have a really great uh, run at getting his uh, fourth uh, Indy 500 win, making history there. And the, that whole race was uh, really great uh, that we were able to watch and thankful that we had a lot of fans there and definitely had a lot of energy there. So, I mean, that's pretty much what I've been thankful for this year in motorsports and you know, sports in general. Yeah. You're able to go out to some races this year. So that's cool. I mean, going to St. Pete, I think, had to be huge because i mean st pete's one of the bigger races on the indycar calendar these days it's become a cornerstone event for them i mean after 
of course, the 500 and the Long Beach Grand Prix, um, you have to start thinking, okay, what are the biggest races after that? St. Pete is up there. Um, you can look at Barber, people like Barber because of the area and whatever. I'm sure, I mean, there there aren't many, you know, standout races. People talk about St. Pete. Everyone talks about it because it's usually the first race of the year. Last in 2020 was last race of the year, you know? So it's like, it always has this uh, positioning. It's been that way basically since 2003 when they returned. Um, and so, I mean, for me, I was going to go like that. I mean, with, with formula one, having this battle to first time in a long time, there's been a compelling formula one title battle. Um, even as a Lewis Hamilton fan, I find it, um, intriguing. It's cool to see him. He's always talked about wanting to battle for it and he's had to, and you can see he'll what he's able to do. Um, he's done this against uh, Massa. He's done this against uh, Nico. Um, he's one to one on that. Hopefully, he'll be two to one in a few weeks. But uh, Max Verstappen now is becoming uh, a guy that is going to be a formidable force, which is good because at the end of the day. No matter how little I like the guy as a person, Formula One needs to have their next generation um, because Lewis's time is running. We're, we're running to a point now where between Lewis, um, Sebastian Vettel, and, and Fernando Alonso, that era is starting to move on. You know, Kimi Raikkonen's going to retire. So they need the next generation. You have Verstappen, you have George Russell, Charles Leclerc, um, you know, Carlos Sainz. Pierre Gasly, Ocon, uh, you know, Lando. Lando Norris, Lando Norris, all these different young guys that um, are different places right now, obviously, in their career. Some have a win, some haven't gotten a win, done different things. And it's it's all it shows that even though it's very hard to get into Formula One unless your dad's rich. Um, or mom's rich, uh, you can, there is room for some semblance of talent. And so there is a very high level of what Formula One can be um, post Lewis Hamilton. And it's a, it's, it's the same way as they had to go through, um, you know, the ebbs and flows of that, that goes on in racing. And it's a good thing to see um, for Formula One um, as they're trying to figure out what they're going to do new power units in a few years time, but uh, new regulations coming in here next year. The IndyCar championship was great. Um, Alex Pillow winning the championship, beating his six time or seven, uh, versus, yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting how many freaking titles Scott Dixon has. He has a lot. Um, beating his well, his very highly qualified teammate who's been winning for God knows how long. Uh, beating Paddle Ward, who is one of the best young talents there is in motorsports. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you also look at Colton Herta, who, if Michael Andretti had bought Sauber, he was going to go to Formula One. I mean, it's the, I mean, that the, the, the points battle was great. But Alex Pillow drove like a veteran and won his first championship, and he's really young, and he's got a lot of talent and skill. Jest got pipped by Alio at Indy. Um, that was the story of the year, of course. Everyone will is going to go to that. Uh, one of the best Indy 500s I've ever seen, and I've watched plenty in my lifetime, but it was one of the most intriguing compelling races it's the first time with this new chassis and aero combination that we really had a good battle and a good race it's been a few years since indy 500 has been kind of that interesting um so that was awesome um 
the growth of the IndyCar series, the amount of energy there is in the series. You have all the, and it goes, the youth and talent is a big thing here too. You know, Pelosi, younger guy. Newgarden's a veteran, but he's a younger guy. Pat O'Ward's young. Colton Herta's young. You know, like there's, a, and then now you're going to add um, uh, Kyle Kirkwood coming into the IndyCar series, uh, albeit driving for AJ Foyt, but he's going to be in the IndyCar series. Renus VK, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, I mean, there is so much great young talent and a lot of great energy in the IndyCars. And I think they're just going and they're rising further and further and be more races on NBC now because, of course, there's no NBCSN. Um, there'll be the streaming platform. We'll have all the the races and practice and qualifying and all these things. Indy Lights is actually thriving. So that's a positive. I mean, so Indy Cars is in a great place. And we spend a lot of time Formula One, Indy Car, all kinds of motorsports. So there is that. Um, I mean, NASCAR, I think the next gen car has potential to help. Um, I mean, I think this past year, it was the best of both worlds for Kyle Larson. They wanted Kyle Larson. He went hard R, um, but they, with their whatever, like the same thing they nailed Mike Harmon and Cesar Baccarella for. I mean, I, I want somebody to tell me how having a kit test car or whatever they call that Hendrick, um, whatever track day car. I want somebody to go and tell me how that's legal. Um, and when that started relative to when Chase Elliott started going and winning every other, every damn road race. And now Kyle Larson, who couldn't drive on a road course for his life now can win road races. And the dudes won 10 races. I mean, you're going to, uh, you'll be like, Oh, I'm a hater. No, the dude is a great race car driver. I have, there is no doubt his results in the last two years are proof positive of that. He could drive a radio flyer and win. I'm, I know that, but let's, you know, there's some, there's things that you have to question even with him and maybe we'll see what the next gen car does in regards to Hendrick Motorsports and Gibbs, who are the two dominant factors here this year. And really for the last like year and a half or two. Um, But I think it's a positive Brad Keselowski after all those years at Penske, moving on to become an owner. Um, interested to see how that'll work out. Only got to win one race there last year at Talladega. Um, but, you know, he he uh, did a lot for Penske and NASCAR, and uh, it's going to be hard to replace him. But they do have Austin Sindrick taking over that car. Joey Logano is now the de facto team leader. Ryan Blaney, who had probably his best year of his career. Let's see what he can do with Jonathan Hassler as his crew chief. Um, you know, the, with Todd Gordon's retirement, um, I'm surprised that Brian Wilson isn't moving up with, with the Austin Sindrick, but whatever. Um, it's similar to why they did, why they didn't move up. Um, I keep on, I always forget the guy's name, the guy who is a 98 crew chief in the Xfinity series. They should have moved him up with Chase Briscoe, but, um, uh, he, they should have moved him up and uh, Richard uh, Boswell, Richard Boswell. Yeah. Thank you. Like, and they moved him up. I think it would have been a much better situation, but Hey, Chase Briscoe can say he's been rookie of the year in all three major NASCAR series. So that's pretty cool. Um, there are a lot of guys, a lot of, uh, drivers they had babies and, uh, and so ha- happiness for, for Chase and his wife, Marissa, you know, so they're thankful for that. And I think there is positivity in NASCAR. It's hard to see it a lot with the morons that seem to be fans, the LCD fans and um, the bad racing that they put out there, especially in the cup side, the Xfinity product has been really good. 
The depth of the field wasn't last year. Next year, it's going to be much better. You're going to have the likes of Sheldon Creed coming up to the Xfinity series. You're going to have Austin Hill with whatever you want to think of him as a driver. He brings money and he's been a solid driver the last few years for Hattori. Um, They're going to be at RCR. So that's going to immediately, you know, pump up a couple of spots there. It's going to make it much harder to make the playoff this coming year. Um, You're going to have less Fords out there, but, and you're going to have less Toyotas because there's only going to be three full-time cars and really two full-time, you know, championship entries. Uh, but you're going to have Ty Gibbs, you're going to have Sam Mayer, that whole thing, their little rivalry they got going on. You got some of these other young uh, guns that are coming up. And you have, of course, uh, Josh Berry, who became a fan favorite um, over this past year with not only his story, but his ability to drive the eight car and uh, win and then jump in other people's cars and run really well and trucks for that matter. And now he's a full-time driver next year and could be a favorite for the Xfinity Championship. Uh, Truck Series, you know, um, Door Sport gets another championship. You wonder about the health of that series, also ARCA, um, over time. But we're thankful they're there. You know, racing, it's great. We have it world. Like, I think one thing we can be thankful for before we move on to the next segment is the fact that sports car convergence has taken place with prototypes. So now, for the first time, I think since 1996, or seven or something like somewhere around there, the mid to late nineties teams and cars that compete at the date Rolex 24 can compete at Le Mans vice versa. You know, like there's going to be the best cars, best teams, best drivers are going to be at Daytona at Sebring at Le Mans, Petit Le Mans, all these other, you know, Silverstone six hours, you know, whatever, all the great, great races to spa thousand kilometer whatever they that it'll be back to what it used to be um at least for a while we'll see how long the money lasts um so there's i mean there's a lot to be thankful for i mean in sports niners getting trey lance even though they don't use them um made me very happy i feel like the future is bright there niners um have some semblance of hope uh, the knicks actually being good for the first time in two decades was nice the colorado avalanche being good um, even though they can't get through the second round or the Vegas Golden Knights, um, but they have such a great young uh, nucleus, uh, Yankees or whatever. Um, they, they, it's Cashman and, and Cashman and Aaron Boone suck. Um, they both are garbage, but uh, especially Brian Cashman. But um, I'll always be an Aaron Judge guy. I don't care. I'm not here for Aaron, Aaron Judge uh, hate. Uh, the guy can play and he's got heart. He's going to be the captain. Now who they're going to put around him to make a baseball team is to be determined and how they're going to manage that baseball team to be determined. But a lot to be thankful for. We're here. We're healthy or relatively healthy. We got uh, this show. Thankful that we were able to do basically another year. We started this in March of 2020 during pandemic. We got through that, we've had a full year of racing. We're still going with this season. We got some football and other sports to talk about. We'll run this out till Christmas and take some time off. But really, it's a, a great thing that we have this platform, and people do listen. I get I get comments here and there. We get um, and and positive reinforcements. So we're making our we're making a, our our name slowly but surely, um, and uh, might have some interesting people come on here over time uh, here in the next few months that might uh, raise our profile just a little bit. Uh, let's see, GSP Roundup. We're gonna go to the World Superbikes. Uh, 
World Superbike uh, title. Rat Raskatagulu wins, beats Johnny Ray, which is pretty crazy. He beats him by was it, 13 points. Uh, that is unbelievable. Um, it's nice to finally see Johnny Ray lose. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but, you know, it's like the guy's been, they had to rain out one of the races too, but it didn't matter because Raskatagulu won, had the points gap. Uh, Ray won race, went over Toprak and riding third. Uh, let's see, Gerloff was 11th. And then in race two, you have uh, Ray winning over Redding and Michael Vandermark. Toprak was fourth, and Garrett Gerloff was sixth in the final race of the season. The standings saw, as I said, with uh, the championship was 13 points. Gerloff finished seventh in points. Uh, so that hopefully he'll uh, be able to get another year and um, possibly go and move further up uh, the grid here. Uh, that would that would be good for him and for his progress in regards to um, uh, possibly moving up to MotoGP, if that is a thing, maybe he, if, if Yamaha actually is committed to their world superbike people. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen won uh, his second world, uh, what is it, V8 Supercars Championship. And, I mean, it really wasn't much of a, much of a battle to uh, – to go and win that, to be fair. Uh, he had, he really only, his main challenger this year was his teammate. Uh, he won the race one over Jamie Wincup, then Cam Waters, Anton D. Pasquale, Chaz Mostert, and uh, it says grid two. What is it? Oh, yeah, so that, that was... That was the race there at Sydney for the last race of the year will be the Bathurst 1000. We will talk about that on the next or not next week. Or is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we'll preview the Bathurst 1000 next week. Uh, Van Gisbergen has won the championship again, of course. Um, Win Cup will more than likely finish second in his last year as a full-time driver. He's... In a lot of ways, he's the Jimmy Johnson to Craig Lowndes, Jeff Gordon to, you know, the, what is it, um, Peter Brock's Dale Earnhardt, you know, that that's kind of the comparison. If you kind of go and compare it to NASCAR, um, or you could call him like Peter Brock. Is, yeah, I think he's more like Dale Earnhardt. Um, you know, Dick Johnson was the Bobby Allison. Uh, Dick Johnson really has like Bobby Allison kind of character Mystics, it makes a lot of sense, or Kale, but more like uh, Bobby Allison. Uh Will Davison, third, Chaz Mostert, fourth, Cam Waters, fifth, Anton DePasquale, sixth. So Will Davison uh, driving for the DJR team and DePasquale also, so they're third and sixth. Mostert driving for Andretti United, uh, Walk and Try Andretti United Autosport or whatever. And Cam Waters driving for the um, Tickford Ford team. So we will see what happens at Bathurst in regards to that. In NHRA, uh, it was a, a interesting year, but a lot the same. Steve Torrens won yet another uh, top field title. He's been dominant here over the last few years in uh, in the points, uh, even with points and a half. was really the only reason why it was somewhat competitive, but it really wasn't. Brittany Force would qualify well, but not do much on race day, finished second in points. 
Salinas finished third, Justin Ashley fourth, Billy Torrens. So Pops finished fifth, Antron Brown in his last race for DSR before he goes out on his own. Finished sixth in points. He lost uh, his buddy Torrance at Pomona in the uh, finals. Leah Pruitt Stewart, or is she going to be Leah Stewart or whatever? Um, congrats to Leah yeah, congrats and Tony. Congrats to her and Tony. Yeah, for their um, epic wedding. Uh, her last race uh, for DSR before she becomes part of um, Tony Stewart. Uh, Racing's NHRA program, uh, Milliken, Langdon, Coletta were your top 10 in points. Josh Hart, who's going to probably run, uh, if he runs full-time next year, is going to be tough because he's a really good driver when he does show up. Um, in regards to the funny car standings, as I mentioned, Ron Caps beats his teammate Matt Hagen for the championship by 37 points. And uh, Caps does not have a ride. Uh, we don't know what he's going to do, uh, but two-time funny car champion. After many years, he never won a championship. Now he's got two. Still has one Indy. I figure that's going to want to make him want to continue to try to win that race. Hagen will be part of the Tony Stewart racing uh, outfit. We don't know what, what manufacturer connection there will be or any of that, but they have good people there. Tasca finished third. Pendragon fourth. John Force fifth. DeJoria and uh, J.R. Todd, the Toyotas, they're going to have a new body style next year. Uh, they finished sixth and seventh. Robert Height, eighth. Tim Wilkerson, ninth. And Jim Campbell and Blake Alexander, tenth and eleventh. Uh, they ran all the races, so they were in the countdown. I'm trying to look at who else is up there. Anybody that was that kind of stands on? Not really. Um, in the pro stock category, Greg Anderson won his. Uh, seventh championship i believe um by 107 points over um eric enders who was trying to go for another championship on her end so that battle between kb and elite will continue the kb cars finished first third and fourth so in the first year without chase and line uh, they were able to run through pretty well with dallas glenn kyle koretsky you know, did their part, and then you have Aaron Stanfield, Troy Coughlin Jr., uh, who are part of the elite performance side, finished fifth and sixth. So the youth movement is there. The future of the pro stock category is there. Mason McGahey beat his dad by, what is it, uh, 17 points in the championship uh, standings. Uh, you had um, Matt Hartford, Derek Kramer, and uh, Kenny Delco, who uh, ran all the races. Yeah, some of these other Brogdon's gonna I think Brogdon's coming back next year full time. And then uh what Bo Butner's gonna come back next year full time. So that'll be interesting. That'll add a little bit more depth to the field uh in pro stock. The pro stock motorcycle category could change a lot between now and next March when they come back at Gainesville. Matt Smith has been running his uh Buell for many years and running 200 mile an hour laps on that bike. And, but the way the rules are, he might end up on a Suzuki again. Uh, he ends up getting yet another championship over Angel Sampay. Steve Johnson finished third. Craywick fourth, uh, who was on a Buell this year. Sampay and Johnson on Suzuki's. Karen Stouffer finished fifth on a Suzuki. And then the um, Matt Smith racing uh, teammates, Scotty Polachek and Angie Smith. Joey Gladstone on a Suzuki, Andrew Hines on a Buell, and Ryan Ayler, I think, was on a on a Buell, but I'm not. I don't remember off the top. 
Corey Reed finished 11th. He made every start. Um, he's on a Suzuki. So there could be a lot of changes in regards to that. NHRA, um, we'll see how it goes with so all the categories, with some of the news. There's still stuff we have to find out in regards to what Tony's team's going to do and what some of these other outfits are going to do in regards to their people and how they're going to manage everything there. Uh, what is it? The last part? Yeah, OGA. Um, you know, when you're talking about World Rally, you think about um, how he he great uh, the the likes of of um, Sebastian Loeb and all the World Championships he won. You think about uh, you know Carlos Sainz, or you think about uh, Colin McRae. You think about the legends of the sport, but in the uh, OGA having to go and basically live like it's where they said it on motorsport.com. Like you, you're basically following a legend and for, he was able to win championships for three different manufacturers. He won for Citroen, he won for Ford and he won for Toyota. So it tells you how good he really, he is. And um, it'll be interesting to see what the next stage in Sebastian OGA's career will be. Um, his, uh, Co-driver Julian Ingrassia is actually retiring after this um, year, so that'll be something. So he'll need a new um, he'll need a new uh, uh, drive a uh, new co-driver when he does his limited rally uh, limited rallies along with whatever else he's going to be doing. So it'll be curious to see how uh, how things move on and what some of these teams because it's become basically Toyota and Hyundai. There's new regulations with um, with the the Rally One concept um, with electric electrification, and uh, so that that's going to change things up a bit. Um, now that that OJ is gone, we'll see who can step up and become that world champion um, and and take the throne, take that mantle from one of the greatest ever. Um, I know we mentioned uh, something about you know NASCAR and IndyCar. Um, I'm just going to go into, yeah, I'm going to go to racer and see in regards to IndyCar. I mean, you know, Pruitt, Pruitt's been posting stuff, you know, in regards to Ed Carpenter racing, you got Brian Hurd Autosport talking about trying to go and get back, I guess, trying to get back into, uh, IndyCars again. Uh, I mean, was we got Chase Elliott running Nitro Rallycross. Yep, over here in Florida and Stark, yeah. which is uh, kind of near where I'm at. So I don't oh, know. Cool. I might, yeah, I might see uh, see if I can go to that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what my weekend plans next weekend are, but um, might be able to go to that if I'm available to. Yeah, and then I don't know if I know Kyle went and stayed out in Arizona to run a couple of them races. But, uh, you know, you have Oliver Askew who's going to move to Formula E, uh, driving for Andretti. Uh, auto sports team uh, their IndyCar series is going to have now that they're going to have bigger grids instead of having two groups in the first round of qualifying they're going to have three groups in the first round of qualifying um, it looks like based on what Marshall Pruitt's saying um, they have what is it Eric Jones's 43 team is um yeah, they got a new got focus factor as their sponsor which is interesting the pain it's going to be like DC Solar yeah, it's it's an ugly paint scheme, and uh, it's probably going to work out like most of the sponsors that RPM seems to get. Um, so, I mean, the, uh, yeah, so 
I, I think that's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything you saw or have seen in recent days that stood out to you in regards to news or? Well, I mean, I saw the, I guess the article or whatever that NASCAR is trying to reschedule the or amend the schedule for next gen testing. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure what what's up with that or why they're doing that. But I mean, I know there's been some talk about the testing at Charlotte and Danny Hamlin, I guess he was on racing spaces, the Twitter space for uh, motorsports discussion that goes on weekly on Tuesday nights. They, uh, I guess they were, he was on there and they were talking about uh, the test and that he was talking about the, I guess if NASCAR wants pack racing, they'd be a hundred percent behind it. But then also like uh, if they don't want that, then they'd also be a hundred percent behind that. And they just, I guess they want more clear direction from the series on uh, why, or I guess like what they're going to be doing uh, as regards to the rules package. So um, that was really only takeaway from that. But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we all know how it's going to go with uh, this next-gen car. They're going to be flat out in the corners and everything. And it's going to be more like pack racing and stuff like that. I mean, I don't really want pack racing because uh, you, you can't really make any moves. Um, you know, you're all just close together and only like the uh, the leaders really change positions and all that stuff. Um, I think um, you kind of want something where at least you're able to pull up behind the car and make a pass going into the uh, into the corners and still stay behind the car, uh, you know, following through the corner. I mean, I think think the draft should be relevant, but it shouldn't be like where they have, uh, you know, the entire pack being able to uh, race uh, together. I mean, there should be some degree of separation, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, that's something that, I guess we talked about what we're thankful for and we have motorsports and NASCAR more or less is going to go back to us to a regular uh, format. It's not this regular format that for many years, but they're literally the last ones on deck with having practice and qualifying, uh, but forcing basically trying to force the action and make it like what I rock used to be or whatever the hell they're trying to I mean, get, trying to make Daytona and Talladega. Yeah. Or IRL. Yeah. More like that with, Daytona and Talladega crap every race, especially at cookie cutters, is not good racing. Um, I don't care. Most people that have any common sense know it isn't good racing, but, um, you know, they 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 do it for the LCD, I guess. I mean, it should be like trucks at Michigan. I saw somebody on Reddit uh, talk about or was commenting on the same story, and they said it should look like what, you know, the truck races at Michigan look like. And, you know, they've been able to stay together for the most part. But then on the, you know, on the straights, if you can get a good enough run, you can pass through the corners. And then the guy that you pass can still pass back on the next straight. So, I mean, that's what I think maybe the, I guess the idea should look like. But, I mean, it's probably going to, the way, the way they're talking about it, the way uh, we've seen on the iRacing simulations that they've run, looks like it might end up being like more of a on the cookie cutters more of like what the indie cars looked like in the mid 2000s when it was the IRL yeah which is dangerous um i mean to, to be fair it's not open wheel it's covered and all but there's a lot more you know i think you have the the uh aluminum wheels or bigger wheels you got other components you have independent suspension now it's not a big four nine inch rear you got there's a lot of things and i maybe they've made more safety enhancements with this gen 7 where it'll not be as big of a deal but i don't understand what the great what the grand uh fit like what they're they expect from that i don't know what your return is other than you're just gonna have because we've already seen what 
the Gen 6, they they were doing all kinds of things with Gen 6. They couldn't come up with a package that worked. And going and doing this with this car, uh, if the cars are closer and are able to stay closer, it's one thing. But the fu- the fundamental fact is you need to be faster to be able to pass. And if you're going to make them all the same speed, they're all just going to be stuck there. Then it's going to become a, it's not even going to be, it's going to be a pitch strategy contest or it's going to be a qualifying contest or something like that. It'll be similar to Formula One in a lot of ways where races could be decided on Saturday. Um, for many years, that's what people would say. It's like, okay, the race is over on Saturday because so-and-so qualified on pole. Well, I think that's where they're going, especially at certain tracks. On road courses, you're going to see more driving um, talent come to the fore. Uh, short tracks, you have to be able to drive. And so I guess that's what you hope for. And you don't really watch the cookie cutters. But I don't know. I mean, Hamlin trying to get out there. Um, he's the most outspoken right now. I mean, I think now that he's an owner and uh, Keselowski's an owner, we're going to hear a lot more about all these rules changes and all these things and how they affect the driver because they're both driving. Um, I mean, Brad's directly driving for his team and and, um, Denny's indirectly. So, I mean, you're going to have more uh, coming out of those. I think people are going to be going to those two guys a lot now um and to see where everything goes in regards to this rules package and um, how racing is i mean i think they need to i don't know how many times we talked about it here but i'm like you don't need to have a seven inch blade on the back you just need like a maybe a four inch blade at most put a wicker on the spoiler if you want or put a wicker on the roof and just put like a standard wicker on the roof and put a and put like a gurney flap on the spoiler, whatever. Like there's minimal adjustments you need to make. You don't need to have a big ass spoiler on the back that looks ridiculous. You can't see out the back of the car. I mean, they can't see out the back of the car anyway, but I mean, they have to get to digital like mirrors or something or something, you know, like if all these expensive cars can have them, then a NASCAR cup car could have yeah, a like digital in sports cars. Mirror. Yeah. Sports cars have them and they have all kinds of other gimmicks and gizmos in there that they can, that's what they have to do so that you can actually see out the back. Um, You should be able to have like the whole like rear, like if you can have rear view facing, you know, backup cameras and rear view facing camera and the whole bit, you could do that for NASCAR. And I think that would also help. Um, You're not going to get rid of spotters, um, but I think for the safety aspect and the ability to kind of race, it might improve that. Um, because of the field of view is not very, very wide. Um, even an Indy car with the halo and the, the arrow screen, I think they have a way better field of view than, um, you know, and, and even in Formula One. So, but then you're saying, oh, you're comparing it to open wheel racing. Okay, we'll go to sports car racing, but then they have the digital um, mirrors. So uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, don't know. They're they're keep on promoting the race at the Coliseum where they're going to destroy a bunch of race cars. So we'll see how how that all works out for all them owners when they're destroying a bunch of cars at the LA Coliseum like a week before they have to go to the Daytona 500 or wherever the hell it is. Um, but I guess that's NASCAR for you. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, the next part, football. So, yeah, I mean, the way that, Josh one uh, went and did me dirty a few weeks ago in fantasy. The the San Francisco 49ers definitely did that to Josh's Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, it was nice to see Debo Samuel become a running back. 
because um, Kyle Shanahan is against running Trey Sermon for whatever reason. But um, Jimmy G was pretty efficient. Um, offense was running on all cylinders, but defense was able to make great plays. I mean, Josh Allen didn't have a bad day for your boys, Josh. Um, when his one of the same performance as he had against Buffalo against Josh Allen, uh, who went off last night. But I mean, you have guys. That's the thing. It's like you have Trevor Lawrence, you have Josh Allen, you have building blocks for a future. Um, it's whether you have the leadership in place at at the head coach and GM position that will continue to build this roster. And will you be able to maintain and keep the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen in due time? Um, when you consider how crazy the NFL has become now, like how wide open both conferences seem to be. I mean, it's more straightforward. I think in the NFC, there's way better teams, but in the AFC, it's really wide open right now. I mean, the AFC is really wide open. There's a bunch of teams that are kind of the middle that have about, you know, four or five losses, but they're still in contention for, you know, one, at least one of the wild card spots. And there's at least one division spot. The, the AFC West is uh, up for grabs. The Chargers, the Chiefs, and uh, the Raiders, and even the Broncos all could win it, uh, depending on how the season goes. I mean, I think the way the Chargers are playing right now, I think they probably end up getting it. Uh, but the Chiefs are starting to turn around after what they were in the middle of October uh, compared uh, to what they've been uh, in the last three or four years. And it seems like they're be becoming more like that. But the yeah, the NFC is a, definitely a top heavy right now. The All four teams uh, look pretty dominant uh, as far as the teams leading the divisions. I mean, you have the Rams, the uh, the Bucks, the Cardinals, um, the the. Cowboys, even though they lost, uh, they were on Thanksgiving. I mean, they've still been pretty good. Uh, but I mean, as far as the, the Jaguars go, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence, but the receivers not getting enough separation it goes all the way back to training camp. Uh, they weren't really getting separation uh, against uh, their own defense and uh, they're not been able to get much uh, uh, production there. Uh, so they got to invest in wide receivers. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the offense hasn't been as good since James Robinson got hurt in Seattle uh, back on Halloween. Uh, so that's going to be a focus if they can get James Robinson going again, can get healed up and he's a hundred percent. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but biggest thing for me on Jaguars 49ers was lack of people showing up to the games. I mean, can't really blame them. Team sucks. Uh, even though I mean, they had a big win against Buffalo, but overall still teams uh, not really inspiring much confidence. Uh, so I get that part, but then at the same time, like uh, a bunch of 49ers fans showed up in the North end zone uh, where it used to be known as the cage of rage uh, for Jaguars fans uh, uh, that had been there, but now uh, is filled up by a bunch of 49ers fans. So it's gotta be some way to get people to uh, show up for the games and, you know, the Jaguars, they got to want to be, or the fan base, they, they got to want to be a NFL fan base, an NFL city. So uh, there's, there's the balance there, I guess, the team has to be able to provide a product to be confident in, but at the same time, you know, fans got to be able to show up to the game. So it doesn't look like uh, it's just a, a way, a, a home game for away fans. You know, uh, the, the 49ers fans showed up there. Um, that was kind of what made me really concerned that the gameplay itself, uh, we lost Jamal Agnew. So probably been the electric return guy this whole year. Uh, and now out of the season because of the hip injury, they suffered when he was getting tackled on a 
I don't know, it was like a third and two or whatever. He caught the ball, got the first down, but as he's going down, got uh, his hip dislocated or whatever. So now he's out for the year. Now uh, we've got, I think, Tavon Austin, and they re-signed uh, Jadon Mickens, who'd been on the team before back in the AFC Championship run a few years ago. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, as far as uh, the rest of the year, I mean, Trevor's got to just throw it deep like he was at the beginning of the year, but maybe maybe it'll be better. Uh, I think he's minimized mistakes, but uh, they got to open it up for him and uh, take off the training wheels completely and just let him let him throw. So, because that's what he is. He's not a, a short downfield or, you know, short completions guy. He likes to throw the ball down the field and kind of neutered him and you got to, got to let him take over the game and just let him do his thing. So we'll see what, how it goes for Jaguars. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy was drafted number one overall, uh, you, the, this dink and dunk crap. I mean, I know that the weapons at times this year, you know, injuries have definitely decimated you guys. The James Robinson injury is huge. Um, he's the best player on your offense right now. Um, to not have him is a big problem because he sets a table, but Trevor Lawrence, you'd rather him throw 28 picks and, and learn, you know, being a gunslinger or doing whatever he wants to do. Um, be more like what Peyton did in his rookie year and then come back next year and be, you know, motivated, rejuvenated, learning from your mistakes than this crap, you know, this this mediocre kind of very, very blah offense that they're running. I mean, it's like what New Orleans is running with Trevor Simeon or it's like what a lot of these backups do when they're in the game. He's the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Guy could have won a Heisman Trophy at least twice. You know, he led national championship winning teams. The guy can play football really, really well. Let the guy play football. You're two and whatever. You know, you got your 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 signature win against a team that's more than likely going to make the playoffs and has a chance to make a run. You know, Niners giving you run isn't that big of a deal when you consider that the Niners like two weeks ago were dead, dead in the water and now all of a sudden literally beat two teams in 11 days and now everything is back again. Now they're in the back end of the playoffs. Well, let's see how they respond. They need to win this game against Minnesota this weekend. Last time they played Minnesota was the divisional round in 20 in January of 2020. I think Jimmy threw eight times that game and they ran with um, Raheem Mostert and whoever else they had at that point, probably Jeff Wilson and somebody else. And they ran the ball for like hundreds of yards. They were able to stop Dalvin cook. They limited her cousins, but the secondary of the Niners is a question mark, and you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, which is the best one of the best combinations in the NFL. Conklin has been playing better, uh, playing well enough for them to where the tight end could be in play. So the offense isn't the same kind of offense they've had for all these years in Minnesota. Um, Jimmy G is playing about as well as he's played in a while. Um, they're not playing Trey Lance, and they're very um, they're just more of a, about efficiency. Eli Mitchell is one of the best rookies in the league this year. He's been a, a revelation. Um, as long as he's out there, they have a much better chance on the running game than what they had last week. Jeff Wilson struggled. Um, the interior is good for Jacksonville. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's the same thing for Minnesota. They're always known about their interior line. Um, Eric Kendrick's one of the best linebackers in the league too. So it's going to be a tough game. They're both in the wild card race and need to win that game. Um, Niners. I've won one game at home in over a year or whatever, and that was two like against the Rams. They need to win this game uh, to keep going, move up. They'd basically swap spots with Minnesota, I think. 
Um, but then they have to beat, you know, they have games against LA again. You have Seattle again. You need to go and keep winning. That's the only way you can guarantee a spot. You don't really know what's going to happen. Arizona's basically a juggernaut. They don't even have their starting quarterback and their number one wide receiver. They're still winning games. They're probably going to get home field advantage at this rate. Um, Aaron, covid um, as long as, I mean, they lost to Minnesota last week, so they have to recover. You have the Rams who've been scuffling recently. Um, Cowgirls lost yesterday to the Raiders. Um, they've lost two in a row against AFC West opponents. Um, Philly is actually on the upswing with their basically triple option offense that they're running now. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there. The South um, division, I'm trying to think, is Tampa, but they're struggling. Carolina's in there in the mix, but not, you know, they have their good weeks and bad weeks. And uh, I'm trying to think who's the other. New Orleans just got blown out at home. So they have, so the Tampa's probably still going to make it through, no problem. But it's looking like things are getting a little more wide open than they were a few weeks ago. Um, and it's nice. There's still another, what, six weeks of football to go in the regular season. In yep. regards to the fantasy, you're third and likely um, going to be like, you're going to continue there. No problem. You have a good chance of moving up depending or having a, a opportunity to move up depending on what happens um, in this uh, game between Vic and Wilson, Wilson Vic, that's the matchup to watch this weekend. Yeah, and they're I'm going to be hanging out with them tomorrow, so it'll be uh, cool to see them. Uh, Vic uh, is second right now. Wilson took his first L of the year uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, Vic has won seven straight games uh, to get to within a game of Wilson. And now, if he can win this week, he will be tied for or he'll be in the lead based on points for uh, if he takes an L and Josh wins he'll be he'll still be second by points but um I'm in fourth uh, basically in no man's land right now uh I mean I'm a game behind Josh two behind Vic but there's only what is it three weeks to go in the regular season so it's gonna be hard to make any real progress uh there uh, but high points is still a possibility for me there. I'm second in that race. So we're trying to go and make sure we make the playoff no problem. Got a two-game lead on a three-way battle between Joe, uh, Manny, and uh, Nick for uh, fifth. So two of those three will make the playoffs. Uh, Demi has tapped out, um, and uh, Luke is trying to make a sneak run, but he'd have to win out basically. Um, which I don't think is going to happen because he's playing Josh this week. So um, the other matchup to watch is Joe and I guess Demi, because that could flip things and also Manny and, and Nick, which is a, a swing game as well. Uh, for Professor Jay, his Buffalo Bills won. For Demi, uh, we got to go and see Dave Chappelle earlier this week. So his week his week was made um, and all that. So I don't think he really cares about fantasy football. I mean, he got to go to survivor series the day before and I had a ticket. My friend Jasmine was hanging out with why we didn't do the show on Wednesday. Um, We're bowling. Uh, But she had an extra ticket because one of her friends had a bail and I got Demi and we went to go and see Chappelle. Um, I think I was high for at least 24 to 36 hours after that on the contact high. Um, I didn't wake up, I got home at 2.30 or 
or two fifteen in the morning after trying to find food because nothing was open. Um, then I fell asleep at three thirty, woke up at seven, watched Good Morning Football for like five minutes, and like on the fly because they have like hot chicks. And then I went back to sleep and woke up at like three. Um, it was nice. I took that day off because then I went back to work the next day and got bad news. So it was nice. I went and had that day off, and I got to watch Dave Chappelle, and so did so did Demi. He was freaking out. All these people it was like. You had John Stewart. You had um, Jeff Ross was the host. You had you had Fat Joe, Buster Rhymes, Rakim. All these people it was like insane. Like a who's who. Her, uh, if you're into her, I don't think people who listen to to GSP really listen to her. But maybe if you do, God bless you. Um, I had no idea who the hell she was. Um, and Dave Chappelle made either. a Dave Chappelle made a reference to pronouns, of course, since he's in the news because he's with the LGBT. But the whole alpha, like he said that too. You made that joke too. It's like y'all took half the alphabet. How the hell? <laughs> a third of an alphabet. <laughs> That's some fucked up shit. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens with football. I mean, I lost to the worst team in the one league, the league I won last year. The guy didn't even have a full lineup, so it tells you how bad my team played. Uh, dropped a seventh, but I'm still in a position about to make the playoffs there. Took a, hard, a rough loss in the sleeper league. Vic and I, we have that team, and now we're back to basically the bottom, but we could try to win out and maybe sneak in the playoffs, but I have a hard time believing that's going to happen either. But we will see what happens um, in regards to that. Uh, Josh, you have – trying to find all these tabs. Um, you yeah, made your Freedom run. Freedom 100. Freedom 100. Um, how did that go, and what else is going on in regards to Sim side? I mean, the Freedom 100 was last Sunday and attempted that uh, one. Uh, I thought I, I mean, qualifying like uh, ended up being a little bit off uh, from what I wanted to. So had to go into the uh, uh, LCQ race to try to make it in. But uh, I ended up using two of my, uh, yeah, so they gave you two uh, fast repairs in the pits and ended up using those pretty quickly. And then uh, I hit, I made a mistake, I guess, because I was trying to use the outside line uh, the high side, because as uh, I guess there was still room and you could, uh, you didn't have to lift for traffic uh, in the corner. So I was trying to use the high side and then I kind of uh, made contact with um, somebody else and uh, our wheels touched and then I went and hit the wall and then that was pretty much the end of my race there. So I didn't even make it in, but it was still a pretty good race to be in. I mean, Ryan Vargas was in that race. Uh, Devlin DeFrancesco was in that race. I think his brother was also in that race. So there were some pretty big people that were trying to qualify into the race. And uh, Ryan Vargas, I think he ended up getting crashed out on the last lap of the race. They crashed coming to the finish line uh, for like fifth place and top eight had to make it in. And I think he finished like in 13th place. Uh, DeFrancesco, both of them made it in uh, to the main race, but then I think it was almost better to not qualify for the race uh, because the race itself uh, was scheduled to be 40 laps, and then they ended up running 60 because of green-white checkers and stuff, and they ran 40 laps of caution, so the actual scheduled distance ended up being like 40 laps of caution, and then they, I guess they only had like 20 laps of green in that one, uh, and I think it was, I mean, because of a lot of crashing, but then also because um, I guess I racing there has to be at least two laps of yellow. Uh, and sometimes there's three laps of yellow. Uh, cause depending on when you catch the pace car, if you catch the pace car, like, uh, on coming to, uh, the caution comes out and then you cross the finish line and then 
the pace car comes out, then uh, immediately the pits open and then everybody can start pitting uh, and then they go back to green uh, within two laps. But then sometimes if you catch it after you've crossed the finish line, then you got to pick up the pace car in the next lap. So essentially there's like three laps of caution uh, total. Um, so was, there's uh, some issues there with that. Cause I think they were trying to figure out a way uh, how to quicken up the yellows. So they only only have like one lap of caution or so. Uh, so there's issues with that, but I mean, even with that, I mean, there's still a bunch of wrecking and stuff because it's the Indy lights. Well, it's not the Indy lights car. It's like the Indy uh, PM, uh, 18 or something like that it's uh, one of the newer cars that they run in those divisions but the uh it's basically you know pack racing you're driving over the top of each other i mean in the qualifying race that i was in um i mean i had a huge run on the back stretch but then by the time we get to uh turn four uh there's like everybody's blowing by me because they've got a bigger run than i've got so it's a uh, you know you ju- it's just a uh, a lot of uh, drafting and stuff. And um, really, really, it's like how Talladega race plays out. You know, you want to be up front uh, in front of all the mess. And so I was trying to do, um, trying to get, get up to the front as uh, much as possible. But then, you know, it was um, an issue of uh, just trying to keep out of the mess. And I, I made contact with uh, Christopher DeHarty and we, I think you know who he is. And he um, made contact with me and trying to avoid one of the wreck. And then uh, I took damage on that. And then he DM'd me during the race and was like, oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to get into you. And he was like, yeah, it's all good. And we're all trying to race really hard here and you know, everything. And he's uh, said, yeah, just uh, want to make sure that he let me know that and uh, said that he owns up to all those kind of moves, which I, you know, is good. And I think he had that approach of just staying behind uh, the field until they got to the last couple of laps, which probably would have been the strategy to have and, and just, you know, wait for people to take people out and all that stuff. And I mean, they, they still ended up wrecking off, like coming to the line. And I think one guy like basically made it in by crashing and then driving over the top of somebody literally uh, to get into the show. Uh, so it, it was just a lot of, a lot of crashing and stuff and wonder if they can figure out a way to, I guess, get some kind of separation. So it isn't quite like that. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. It might just be the car. Um, even if uh, the car is able to uh, max out, I guess the, uh, drag to downforce ratio, like where, you know, you don't have a, a ton of downforce and, you know, you can actually separate it. I think it's just uh, slow enough on top, uh, top end speed that they end up bunched up together anyways. So uh, that's, I guess that's just how it is, but I don't know. Try again, some other, you know, other races, I guess. I mean, try to figure out how to get in dinner with racers, I guess, or something like that. I'm still uh, trying to get into some, I guess there is another event that was supposed to be today uh, that I didn't know about. All right. Well, I knew about, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to participate in, but it was like, I guess like some invite only for like the top hundred, top 500, uh, I racers that race in the I racing IndyCar series that it's based on like, uh, incident per lap. And I guess they had it at an invite to like a, I guess like a mini championship series or something where, uh, they would all in, you know, the top 500 cleanest racers on iRacing in the cars would race like a, a five or 10 race uh, series in one day or something like that. So, uh, I mean, if I, if I were, um, in front of my SIM computer, which I'm not, then would be in that, but you know, since I'm visiting family and stuff, I don't have all that, but that's, you know, that's fine and everything. So, uh, we'll just continue to do the SIM racing stuff, uh, you know, elsewhere and, you know, next week we'll get back into it and race the Indy cars, race the 87 car, all that stuff, and uh, try to get in uh, as much uh, opportunity to race in events as I can. And that's, you know, we'll, as the off season goes on, we'll see 
Uh, what else is uh, going on in regards to Sims? Any big updates? And we'll go to you in regards to all of that, because obviously I can't afford one of these yet. One day I will. I keep on saying it. I'm going to manifest that the same way as I'm going to manifest it in a lottery. Um, you can find, uh, before we go, um, Josh, where can we uh, follow you in regards to your Twitch streams and on the socials and and see what your all your exploits. Yeah, as always, as follow the Twitch stuff, Twitch TV slash YouTube to watch uh, Sim streams. You know, let you know when uh, we stream. Let let you know when all that happens. And of course, um, follow on Twitter, which I'll tweet out the stream link uh, when I do. Um, follow that at uh, twittercom Huffline. Then you can see all the stuff that I post and uh, everything I talk about on there. Follow me at Philip G Matthew on Twitter. You can follow the grip strip podcast at grip strip pod on twitter uh, that's capital g capital s capital p uh we're on apple Podcasts, amazon music spotify iHeartRadio, stitcher tune in um pandora basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts you can listen to grip strip podcast uh you can follow me at philip g matthew 28 on instagram uh there's what's it called what am i trying to think philipgmatthew.com which is the wordpress site i have um where this show gets posted there as well um trying to get back into writing uh, hopefully during this off season i'll be able to so then i can start posting some stuff in regards to that but um yeah we'll uh We'll be back next week, episode 89. We'll discuss Formula One, Jetta, uh, the Saudi Grand Prix. Yeah. Any news and notes that come from the world of motorsports, we'll get into that. We'll also discuss football, both uh, regular and fantasy, and um, whatever else comes to mind uh, here on the GSP. So um, depending on when you're listening, whatever, happy Thanksgiving uh, to you and yours and um, hope you have a good long weekend uh, as long as you're able to or even if you have to work one day or whatever be able to enjoy it get uh, have some good food time with family as we both have been able to do and um, we will see you next week on the gsp continue this uh, formula one world championship hopefully we'll have a interesting battle as we finish out the formula one season and the major motorsports season uh in general so for josh i'm phil take care god bless